Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome, 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 everyone. Uh, this one, we're going to have a fun time packing so many different things uh, into this episode because we have an amazing individual, which I'm going to steal some of the thunder from him. Uh, just and already tell you, he's a lawyer, he's an engineer, and he's a trainer and coach, and he's been so for a long time. He's a husband to a dear friend and colleague as well. So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna steal all that thunder away from him, and I promise you, we still probably won't have enough time to uncover the depths of this this beautiful human being. Uh, everybody, welcome to the show, Bill Jerusalem. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's great to see you. As oh man, great great to see you as well. I think I'm so excited about this episode for a few reasons. And one mainly is the immediate impact you made on me personally when we met. And it was part of uh, Michael's Neil program for me, Emerging Voices. And you were finishing up some work with him at the time. And man, you made some comments around our days in life being a blank canvas. And it was like, like instantly I could see how I never gave the next day its own blank canvas that I brought with it, the paintings from the page before. Like it never was clear. I started out with it already being printed or tainted or with all the mistakes. And that was just such a beautiful thing to, to illustrate for me, at that, especially at that point in time. And so I, I just thank you, you know, so much for for that. Uh, I, I really do. And before I love fest on you even more, <laughs> if you want to go ahead and just take a few minutes and, you know, introduce yourself to the community and uh, we'll jump in from there. Uh, sure. You know, uh, as you said, my name is Bill Jeruzzi. Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a really diverse background in terms of, you know, which I think a lot of coaches in our profession do. I, I got called to, to really to be an attorney because I wanted to make a difference. <laughs> and it, it didn't look to me like, uh, not that I'm not saying this is true. It just didn't look to me like I could fulfill on that as an attorney. And so I, uh, started shifting and looking, looking more broadly to see what, where could I make a difference? And so I just, I describe my my career a lot as I feel like an alley cat in terms of I was just claw, I've been clawing my way through. I've always somehow deep inside me in this wisdom that we always talk about, I knew what it was. I, I had this I had this feel for what I was looking for. And I just kept looking to the to, for the next thing to follow that would that would answer these questions. And then uh, you know, and it took me on this very twisty pathway of trying lots of things, failing at a lot of things. Um, uh, I now work as director of training for you know New York state government. And, you know, early in my career, people would look at me like I was a nut. Like I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's the right now in my career, it's like the manifestation of 30 years of practice. 
Really? Yeah. And failure. <laughs> Lots of it. Uh, you know, I love that part because you you also write these leadership articles that you share with me. And I've been talking about this recently also. But for me, it's like now failure are the reference points for me to achieve what I'm trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Like they they just they just point me in a different direction on the path to to making this goal. And I love the way you put it in the article, but but would you, you know, from a leadership perspective, just speak a little bit more to how we can use failure to guide us more so than to weaponize it against us. Yeah, it's really um you know, we have this we have as as uh, as many of the listeners know, we have this we have this innate intelligence. Uh, an aspect of that is our ability to uh, see the contrast between where we are and where we want to go. That is that is like I always say to people, there's a lot of conversations going on in, li in life, but everything you've ever created in your life is a result of one uh, particular uh, structure of conversation, and that is knowing where you want to go in relationship to where you are and then what's next. Mm. And on top of that, we had a lot of like commentary and freak out and doubt and all the stuff of being human, but everything except unless it got created completely by accident in your life had to go through that structure of conversation where you just kept doing the next thing that made sense to you, the next thing that makes sense to you, the next thing that makes sense to you, the next thing that made sense to you. And so we, we put our, sort of our money on the things, other things like developing qualities and characteristics and all that, which I'm not saying some of that isn't important, but what we really miss is this thing that just allows us to see the contrast. And so what I find a lot with people is they, they do hold high bars for themselves, but often what they do with those bars is they take them off the wall and they beat the crap out of themselves with them or, or others. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or not good enough. And and so they don't see that there's a learning curve. They don't have the, the broader perspective of of uh, a learning curve. And and I really got that a lot from George Bransky, is he always talks about learning curves. And it was one one thing that resonated with me throughout um knowing him. And you know, so it's just failure is is just the mind's way of allowing you to to correct. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing about it too, Robin, I'll just say this last thing is sometimes I'll, I'll use examples as we all do. We use metaphors and I'll talk about how babe, babies fail when they're learning to walk and people get freaked out. They're like, <laughs> it's a baby, man. You can't talk about failure. And I go, yeah, but I, and I understand that a baby doesn't know it's failing, but that's the point. Yeah. They're just, they're just, they have this sense of, again, at some point in their life, they're going along crawling. Life is fine. And then what erupts in their consciousness is this possibility of this thing called walking. And then they just put themselves naturally on a learning curve. And they, as you know, they fall, they get up, they fall, they get up, they fall, they get up. And they don't make it mean anything. And that's part of what I'm out to transform for the people that I coach in leadership is it's part of the game. And especially if you're up to something uh, to create something impossible in life, which is for me, what, what leadership's really all about is you're going to fail. Yeah. So you got to you got to come to peace with it. Yeah. And, I I love that. And I I want to go to your definition of leadership because I love that too. But there's something I wanted to say before I ask that is it's it's funny because even the way you said um uh, setting up the game or setting it up that way, right? 
it's it's so funny that arguably one of the greatest basketball shooters of all time is Steph Curry, but he only shoots like 68 some percent. Like it's like <laughs> if you thought 68 percent, you know, to in, in respect to 100 or even as they say in baseball, the guy bats 300 and you're, you know, you're own you're a Hall of Fame batter at that point. It's like when we set the game up of life, knowing that I'm going to be like that baby, I'm going to fall and get up, 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 and I make nothing of it, I'm rocking. Yeah. It's that I make something of it. I make it problematic, you know, that yeah. makes that makes everything not even seem possible, which is, you know, why your leadership definition resonates so much. And I'll let you say it so I don't mess it up. But, you know. Uh, well, for me, leadership is uh, creating a result in the world that looks impossible to the yeah. people you're leading, period. And it makes it, in, 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 uh, uh, it makes it really clear because in my experience, leadership has is, is been uh, come to be known as uh, being a supervisor with a certain set of qualities, whatever those qualities are, all these magical qualities. <laughs> and so I define supervision as it's, it's creating a predictable result, which we need. There's nothing. Oh, yeah. So there's no judgment in that. We need both because we're up to big questions in the world. We're up to creating things. We're up to creating things that, you know, to make our world and our planet better and all that. And you know, we need to do the day-to-day -day things that need to get done that we already know how to do. So we need both, but that, that line helps uh, certainly me and my clients uh, be clear about whether they're leading or not. Because the question is, sometimes I'll get asked the question, how do I know if I'm leading? Well, are you working on an impossible looking result? If you're doing that, then you're leading. If you're not doing that, you're doing something else, which is totally cool, but it helps create a, a, a clear distinction between the two in my mind which is why yeah. I like that definition. I, I, I like it too. And it, it sex way perfectly uh, given what you've just had to overcome in the last couple of years, health lives. Yes. At times I'm pretty sure it seemed impossible. Uh, and then uh, made possible through again, getting back up, getting back up after the bad thought, getting back up after the bad moment, getting back up after the bad days or weeks or, or however long. Uh, talk to me a little bit about as far as as you know, as far as you want to go in it. What the last couple of years have been like health wise for you? Well, um, in November 2019, two days before um, Thanksgiving, I uh, was watching television and uh, the TV started floating, <laughs> and I had what we didn't know, but I and then I couldn't walk in a straight line. And I had had a, a mild ischemic stroke in my, I think my cerebellum region, if I remember correctly. And it just, all it did was affect my balance. So I was back to, I was out of the hospital by Thanksgiving. I was back to work um, the following week by, I think, Wednesday of the following week. And then I discovered, they discovered I had a rare blood disorder, which caused my blood to overclot. So I had to go on a blood thinner. And uh, then in April, 2020, uh, as you know, COVID had just hit. We mm -hmm. were working, we, Lisa and I, we, my wife were working at home and uh, we got done for the day and we were going to do a workout and I was setting up the computer and I moved my head in a particular direction and I felt something, it felt like a muscle spasm in the back of my neck. 
And uh, it turned out um, that I had popped a blood vessel. Wow. And uh, the doctors, I guess, told my wife that it could have been like a minor bleed, but because it was on the blood thinner and aspirin, what would have been a minor bleed was a massive bleed. And my, my brain was completely covered in blood because um, the kind of bleed I had wasn't in the brain, it was on the brain. And mm. so they gave me, I think, like a 50-50 shot of living. And every day that I lived, I, my odds improved. And, you know, and so I came out of that. And there were definitely, we call that the year of the brain bleed, um, uh, which is this thing from the year of anxiety, which came later. But I did have a lot of anxiety dur during that year. We just sort of attributed it. My wife said, we mostly just attributed it to your brain was healing. And so, yeah, you know, we sort of included it in a way. But anyway, I went, I went back to work in a year later in April 9, 2021, 20, 20, uh, because uh, I had to be back to work or else I could lose my job. And about four weeks after I went back to work, I woke up one morning to what I didn't know then, but know now was a massive panic attack. Rob, I'd never experienced anything like that. I didn't know what it was. Uh, it, it didn't, um, my body was just, constantly felt like it was in motion and scared. Like I felt scared in my body and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't intellectualize it. Uh, and uh, I tried to sort of suck it up and push through for a couple of weeks. And finally I was like, no, I got to go to work again. So when I, I you know, got the doctor to write me a note and I went out of work and um, thinking, I thinking, hopefully I was hoping it was just a medication issue. Um, but it ended up like being anxiety so, so bad. Like, you know, you sort of study this stuff and you think like, you know, at least I did, you think you're impervious to the sort of the negative side of life. But I was, I wanted to end my life. I wanted life to end. I, I went to bed every night wishing I would just die in the middle of the night. I woke up every morning pissed off that I could, that I didn't. Um, my wife tells me that, cause I don't remember a lot. Uh, my memory really got affected. Um, that I went gun shopping. And the funny thing is she laughs. She says, the only reason you told me you wouldn't buy the gun is because it was too expensive. She says, so thank God you're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, you know, it's just in a lot of pain and I didn't know, I didn't know how to get out of it. And it sort of culminated in April of 2022, April of last year, when uh, there was an entire day where I forgot who my wife was. I didn't recognize her. Uh, I was insistent she wasn't my wife. I didn't know who she was. Um, and we had me checked out. And I guess, because I don't remember this, but she, uh, they said, you know, he's fine. It's common with somebody with this type of brain injury. And then a week later or so, a week or two later, I awoke one morning, as I always did, in excruciating psychological pain and suffering. And for some reason that I can't explain to this day, Rob, my mind went completely quiet and this thought came through and the thought was it's all lies. Hmm. You know, and I've since had some insight into what that means and what that looks like, but all I know for sure is from that day forward, I started getting better. was able to go back to work because again i only had a year to go back i was able to go back to work which 
up until that point, we didn't know if I was going to go back this time. Uh, I was able to go back to work. And then, uh, you know, within a couple of months of being back to work, I started coaching again. And then I started really, I'd already developed this leadership program, but that I do in my, in my work, but um, it's just, it's taken off. It's just fantastic. And, you know, the articles came that you, the, um, these articles that I started writing and called the possibility of leadership that I write for my job. Um, you know, just this, these ideas kept just coming and coming and coming and coming. Yeah. You know, and I just have this experience of it being downloaded sometimes, you know, just like it's coming from somewhere else. And all I am is just typing as fast as I can, trying to keep up. Trying to keep up with it. Yeah, that's, um, man, I'm so thankful for your resilience, in a sense. Um, Because the power in that story is going to help so many. I mean, we could go down so many different lanes with it, but one in particular, uh, because it points to the beauty of, of your wife, is to say the joke that um you know you didn't buy because you're cheap you know to have a to not take it once you've gotten through it so serious enough like we talked about earlier being weaponized against you as something like to know how to let that go to to move on to keep going to drop that to release it so in the strength that just speaks to to her beauty all in itself but man again to your knowing of inner wisdom that it didn't work out that way. Knowing yeah. every day you thought, it. knowing every day you thought it, it did. Yeah. And then to hear, because it, you know, it's all lies or it's like, wow. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know exactly. Like I said, exactly what I know that the next day I, I would wake up feeling awful again. And I just, and I had noticed I'd gotten in the habit of sort of stewing in it, laying in my bed, trying to figure it out. Uh, and I just yeah, went yeah. and I just went, it's all lies. Get up and go live your life. And so I just try, I just started trying to catapult myself into life and out, out of the best I could out of my head and out of my emotions and not take it so seriously and not give it so much, pay it so much reverence. And it was, it still was like step by step. It was a guidance, you know, just felt this sort of guidance system, uh, you know, no, no, no! You're going. You're sorry. You're going back into. You're going back into your old ways, Bill. Uh, okay. And just kept trying to find ways to get out of my mind because um, it it just wasn't a a good place for me to be anymore. You know, at least at that time. Yeah. Um, and so then over time, everything just it just surprisingly to me and miraculous to me, it just settled down. Like I still have a panic. I still have panic attacks. I was having. During that year, I was having like five panic attacks back to back to back to back to back. Wow. And never in my world, in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that the answer to to healing my panic attacks was to allow them. Okay, you have to to... say, you have to (laughs) say that all over again because you just (laughs) mic dropped. The whole thing. <laughs> you just mic drop the whole episode right there. Okay. <laughs> Say that again. So I never imagined that how to heal my panic attacks, that the answer would be to allow them. Like, because I spent so much time during that year trying to get rid of them because they felt awful. They do feel awful. 
There's no doubt about it. There's no arguing with that. They felt they they felt they were the worst thing I've ever felt in my entire life. And uh, what I discovered was the more I just allowed it to be there, then they they sort of started naturally lessen. And I don't have them as often. And then my wife even has, she just told a client, I think a week or so ago, she said that when I used to have a panic attack, life would stop. And she would have to stop, almost instantly stop what she was doing to come take care of me. Because I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't deal with it. She goes, now she told the person, he could be having a panic attack right in front of me and I don't even know it, which is true. I've been out to lunch with friends and had a panic attack. And I'll say to them, just so you know, I'm having a panic attack. And they go, really? I go, yeah, I just want you to know. I mean, I've never passed out or anything from a panic attack. But just if I did, I just would want you to know what's going on. And we continue the lunch and we have a nice, pleasant conversation. I'm definitely not as attentive. I'm definitely not as present as I, as I could be. Because, again, we learn in this work that when you're in a low mood, you do the best you can. And so that's that's what allowing it looks like for me. And... I'll just say this last thing is that part of allowing it for me was when I started to get better and I would have one, I tried and they still felt awful. I would, the resistance I discovered in my mind was I tried to think, well, this doesn't feel so bad or this is going to be okay. And I'd go, no, I go, if someone came up to me and like stuck a knife in my gut, I wouldn't sit there and go, ah, this doesn't feel so bad. (laughs) Right. And then I go, no, a panic attack feels awful. Yeah. And when I realized that it was like, oh, okay, it just feels awful. I'm going to feel awful, awful, absolutely awful for about 20 or 25 minutes. Yeah. I'm not going to try to make it feel better. I'm not tr- going to try to convince myself, even in the slightest, that it doesn't feel awful. Yeah. I'm just going to be with it as it is. And before long, it, is, it passes right through, just like it always does. It does. It does. That was beautiful. I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I mean, you could, because you could take panic attack out and put in anger. You -hmm. could take anger out and put in sadness. You could take, like, it's, you're absolutely right. It's that, that shame or guilt associated with it being present anyway. That kind of makes it very, very difficult to, to, it kind of, it's almost like ripping you apart as it moves through you, you know? <laughs> oh man. Wow. Yeah, and I, and I had, a, I had a, I had a coach say to me that I was working with at the time. She said, Bill, I want you to uh, be present to what's happening in your body without the narrative, without thought. Yeah. And I gotta be honest with you, Rob, at first, when she said that, I didn't know what the heck she was talking about. And then during that week between our coaching calls, it occurred to me, Oh, anxiety is part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. The label anxiety is part of the narrative. And I wasn't, I was experiencing my body through the narr- through the story, anxiety, rather than just, so then I was just like, oh, that's an unpleasant experience in my chest, or that's an, ex- you know, that doesn't feel good in my gut. And I would just get, try to zone in on what was actually happening in my body. And yeah. I didn't even realize that there was this layer of thought, this filter that was preventing me from just being with my experience. And oh, that, was yeah. another, that was another level of allowing for me. I love that. Because that is such a great way to explain how many times I've trapped myself up. (laughs) I remember Michael asked me one time, he was like, what's the difference in feeling to your excitement 
and your uh, anxiety. And I was like, oh, no, no. Anxiety means da da da. He's no, 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 no. no I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking about the narrative you have made. Like, how does it feel? Like, and, and so I was describing how my body felt when I was anxious. And he says, now describe how you feel when you're excited. And I was describing it and I was like, man, you're making me sound crazy because it sounds like I'm describing when I'm anxious. He says, wait a minute. He says, the feeling you are feeling is the feeling. What I'm trying to get you to see is the difference is the narrative you have on the feeling. Mm -hmm. And that is changing why this feels so different or why this is. And it was like, oh, the narrative, oh, the thought, like you said, oh, that changes everything, you know, as we know. Yeah. So because we we, because we don't see that, you know, we have. You know, we get upset at 8.30 in the morning, then we're pissed off at a quarter after 11, then again at 1.30, we're a little bit, we're overwhelmed. And then, you know, 3.30, we're feeling stressed. And then we go home and we tell our spouse or our partner or whatever, uh, oh God, what a day I had. I was stressed all day. And it's like, that's not true. The narrative is the thing that's stringing those things together. Yeah. There's four data points out of, you know, thousands of data points, most of which you were just, uh, you know, as uh, Mara Gleason likes to say, and I'm sure other teachers, neutral presence. Yeah. You're just neutral. You're just going through life in neutral presence, just with a clear mind. Well, that's that's kind of like because I've imprinted yesterday on today. I kind of just I'm not as aware as I float through. I'm not yeah. doing a blank canvas. That's right. Yeah, you know, because if if I already have a preconceived notion about how something is going to go end or whatever, that's pretty much all my awareness is going to do is fill in that picture I'm trying to draw because I'm fixed in it. You know, it's, it's seeing that blank canvas that you talked about. It's like, Hey, you, your experience could be whatever you want to paint, whatever narrative you want for it. You know, it's, it's thought it's, that's the creative power of this. That's right. You know, that's how powerful this is. So Yeah. And it's just, and it's getting present. The the reason I love thinking of it in the context of there's no future in reality, you know, it only exists in thought is um, because, you know, it's just, it, it's, you start to realize how much of that, that, that picture on the canvas isn't even being created consciously by you. It's just yeah. your mind doing its thing. It's just, and then it's just filling in a lot of the picture. And then before you know it, you're you're living inside that picture. You're painting on a, you're painting over a canvas that already has a picture on it. Versus, you know, there's there's actually nothing there. Yeah, there's actually nothing there. Wow. Well, you didn't already gave us a mic drop, but I'm gonna <laughs> have to I'm gonna have to have you dig 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 in the tool bag, so to speak. Uh, to, to give us some more. But before I do that, man, I thank you so much for stopping by and, and sharing your story and your heart with us um, on the show. Like it's going to be, we're going to do a part two. I've already calling it out. I'm going to say it out loud on the episode. So, so <laughs> people can hold me accountable because what I want to hear is together next to your wife, what it was like and, and having, the opportunity to spend some time and work with her last week or so on a, on a corporate retreat. And we got a chance to speak. I I saw how 
the magnitude of your two years. Also, that was a magnitude of an experience for her as well. Totally different than yours. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I would love to kind of, you know, put you all together to just hear that and to help people see how there was the fact of the event, but it was being experienced in two different ways. Yeah. In, in some in some ways she had it worse than me. Because uh, almost she, it seems she, that way. Because she remembers everything of it. Uh, you know, there's times when my brain was, you know, recovering that I don't remember I don't even remember some of the crazy or some of the things I was saying or some of what I was doing or some some of what I was feeling. So but she was witness to all of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we're definitely gonna shoot out part two on that. All but, right. uh, before we do that, leave us though with, with just your heart for this episode. Uh what is it that you would, you know, just want everybody to remember when they take into consideration, you know, listening for today. I become more and more convinced uh that there's one fundamental problem that we're all trying to solve. And it, and it gets manifested in a lot of the world problems, the global problems, the out, outside problems. And that is how to live in these bodies, how to live with these bodies and minds and the discomfort of what it means to live in these bodies. And we're, and we're, uh, we're just on a learning curve. You know, we're, we, we sort of live in this uh, guise of perfection or that we, sh that we're already know and we're this evolved species, but, for me, it's like whenever I discover that I suck at something, mm -hmm. that's always really good news. And I got that a lot from working with Michael Neal is it's really good news because then I can be on a learning curve. Then I can see it. Then I can grow. Uh, if I don't know there's a learning curve, if I can't see that I'm awful at it, then there's all this pressure and all these things that I should be. And I'm not, I'm not as good as I think I should be in all this, but, but I think there's such a relief when we just get that we're, we're learning. We're in the struggle of it and we we're learning a lot. And, you know, this, certainly this work that we all do is taught us a lot. It's taught me a lot. And this, the, but you know, the last two years is as much as on some levels, I wish they would, they hadn't happened on another level. I am, I am uh, profoundly grateful for them. You know, and I always say not so much universe. Cause I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want any more. No, no more brain bleeds, no more major health crises, but um because it cracked open my heart in a way that i didn't know need to be cracked open because i couldn't solve this with my intellect which i'm really strong at i couldn't solve this i mm. couldn't solve my anxiety with intellectual intellectualizing and so you know if we just i think keeping in in that broader perspective of that we are learning and growing and evolving and there's no make wrong and you know, anything from how to live environmentally sustainably on this planet to living happily in this planet to having great relationships with all in evolution. And um, and I think that we do. And I think the other piece, Rob, I would say is I think that when we, because I think on some level we all know that, but I think when we really sort of see it, we see that we're on a learning curve, we are masterful at just learning. And being, when, we're on, when we're present to a learning curve, and you think about any area of your life where you where you are present to there's a learning curve you are masterful at learning and you are you stumble but you're okay with it 
And as a matter of fact, if you reach a, if you reach a level of mastery, you're like, oh no, 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 I got to raise the bar now because I want more. I want to get better. And so uh, I just am I'm more and more fascinated with that. And I'm more and more excited about the possibility for humanity standing inside that, uh, this knowledge, you know, so that's what I have. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner, or you want to be featured on the show as a new fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.